0: This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wadundjeri and this is The Full Story. 176 million people suffer from a disease called endometriosis, where tissue that's similar to the lining of your uterus grows in other parts of the body. It causes severe pain, fatigue, And infertility. And yet, the disease and how to treat it remain largely a mystery, leaving generations of women and gender diverse people
1: misunderstood and dismissed. Women weren't silent, no one was listening, and now they're being forced to listen to us. And that is what has changed. Today, are we
0: on the cusp of a breakthrough on endometriosis? It's Wednesday, the 23rd of August.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com/newsadfree. That's amazon.com/newsadfree to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
1: Hi, Gaps. Hi, Jane. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like to have endometriosis? What is it like day to day for you? I think it's important to say that endometriosis can affect everyone differently. Everyone who has it has kind of different symptoms.
0: Gabrielle Jackson is an Associate News Editor for Audio and Visual at
1: Guardian Australia and the author of Pain and Prejudice. But for me, it's really been about incredibly painful periods. Pain from the time I was a teenager, really, mm. that involved vomiting, diarrhea, um, really bad leg pain, um, problems with my bowel, often mm. accompanied by periods of really severe fatigue. But yeah, for a lot of people, it can be bladder and bowel problems, dizziness, brain fog, those kinds of symptoms, as well as really heavy and severe period pain. It can also affect person's fertility. Mm.
0: So Gabs, 176 million women suffer from endometriosis, but we still don't have a cure and we don't even fully understand the cause of endo. Why do you think that is?
1: Because medicine knows virtually nothing about women. Almost everything we know about human health comes from the study of men and male animals and even male cell lines. And because society hasn't traditionally listened to women. So, you know, people in women who come to doctors with a lot of pain often get ignored. You know, they're told they're hypochondriacs. You know, hysteria was a disease (laughs) that kind of. Was diagnosed for many centuries, and even today, women presenting with these kind of generalized symptoms are often told it's all in their head, or their type A personalities, and sometimes even that they're attention seekers. And so, it's been really hard to get researchers interested in this. It's been really hard to get policymakers to devote money for this kind of research, mm. and um, you know, it's, it's some of the experts I spoke to said it's not like it's just endometriosis that's ignored and undervalued. It's a lot of diseases that primarily or solely affect women. Mm.
0: Well, you've written recently about a number of exciting discoveries that have actually been making a buzz in the endo community. What's happened?
1: For a long time, there was just no quality research being taken in endometriosis. Um, for example, I once wrote about a study that rated a woman's looks and then compared that to the severity of her endometriosis. What? Now, that study has now been retracted. <laughs> but that's the kind of study that used to happen in endometriosis, looking at a person's personality traits wow. and then comparing it to the severity of their disease. This is why I first started writing about endometriosis, because there was so little good research happening. And I couldn't believe how little was known about this disease. Mm. It's a really severe disease that is really common that we've known exists for over a century. And it was just bewildering to me as to why so little was known about this really common debilitating disease. So I haven't really been excited about any kind of research I've seen on endometriosis and then something just started happening this year and the first big thing I noticed was the biggest ever genetic study on endometriosis came out in March. It was done by researchers all over the world. It looked at the DNA of 700,000 people, 60 something thousand of them had endometriosis and it found genetic links to 11 other pain conditions like migraine. And also, as well as that, other inflammatory conditions like asthma and osteoarthritis. And that's really interesting because a lot of people have felt for a long time that endometriosis has something to do with the immune system, but they Mm. didn't know exactly what.
0: And there was another study from Japan about a possible cause for endometriosis, right, Gabs?
1: Yeah, the next big study that really caught my attention came from Japan and they found that a very common type of bacteria, which is commonly found in gum disease, is actually found in the pelvis of some people with endometriosis and that it's contributing to the growth of endometriosis lesions. They found that in mice, it could potentially be treated with existing antibiotics. So that's not hormones, not surgery, a completely new kind of treatment. Now, again, that was really exciting because it's pointing to the action of the immune system. I spoke to the Japanese researcher, Yutaka Kondo, and it was so fascinating speaking to him. He's not an endometriosis researcher. He's actually a cancer researcher. He had been looking at how Fusobacterium can influence cancer growth. And then he saw that Fusobacterium had been found in the uterus of some people. And that's when he was like, light bulb moment okay? Because for a long time, people thought the uterus was a sterile environment. Mm. But if that bacteria is in the pelvis of some people, could that be what is leading to the growth of endometriosis lesions? So there's a lot of research. And for a long time, a lot of the research that was coming out was just looking at hormonal treatments that are used for other things. And a lot of people with endometriosis are sick of trying hormones. So what I really was excited about in all these different studies and and new treatments that they're not hormones. It's actually a new idea that might finally treat the, the whole body symptoms that people with endometriosis have.
0: Right. We're seeing new research now that sort of pointing to potential causes or potential correlations between endometriosis and other conditions. Why is that so significant
1: in terms of changing our understanding of this condition? The reason I find it so exciting is because for the first time I feel like there's genuine strides being made in the understanding of endometriosis and what's happening in order for the lesions to grow in the first place and also what's happening to make us have all these other symptoms other than just the pain in our pelvis or the pain where the physical lesions are. This feels like it's a big step forward in actually what's causing this disease to happen in the first place? Because as long as we don't know what's causing the growth of endometriosis, the treatments developed are always going to be really limited. Mm. And so for a long time, people have felt, you know, they know endometriosis is an inflammatory condition. So what they really need to know is why do people with endometriosis have this kind of chronic inflammation? And, you know, it's just one area that scientists haven't been able to answer yet. Mm. And this is kind of adding to that body of research that could be providing explanations.
0: And so I understand it's early days for all of this research, but how has it been received by other researchers in this
1: space? All the researchers I spoke to when I spoke to researchers in Japan, Australia and Scotland were really excited about it. It doesn't tell us definitively what's causing endometriosis, but it is adding to this idea that the immune system is involved. And Andrew Horn from Edinburgh University, who I spoke to, said this is another really fascinating step.
3: With the condition, I think now that there it, it's more talked about and there are more people working on it, so it's bringing in people from different disciplines, ideas. You know, a lot of these ideas have been tested in in, in cancer. And now endometriosis isn't a cancer, but it sometimes behaves like one. So it's almost learning from, from other people, other researchers, um, which I think is really important.
1: But uh, Dr. Susan Evans, who is an Australian gynaecologist and pain physician, she doubts that it really is just one bacteria that could be causing endometriosis.
4: I think the immune system's the problem. And that there are several factors that can activate it. And bacteria is probably one. Menstruation is probably another one. And there might even be something else. Gabs,
0: what are some of the other factors that could be causing endometriosis?
1: Yeah, we've heard a lot in recent times about the gut-brain axis and about what's happening in our gut. Our digestive system can affect the whole body and all sorts of illnesses. And so I was really interested to hear Susan Evans talk about the uterus-brain axis.
4: The uterus talks to the brain via inflammation, but there's actually a proportion of people who have a low grade of inflammation all the time, and that doesn't work well with our central nervous system. So you start off with inflammation in the pelvis and then you get inflammation of the central nervous system and that contributes to a lot of the pain symptoms.
1: Because the thing is the uterus has its own immune system, its own immune environment, and so she kind of thinks something that could be happening in the pelvis is affecting everything else. And they're kind of the symptoms I talked about, the kind of when we feel a bit achy, the brain fog, the fatigue, sometimes the headaches, all those symptoms she thinks is part of this uterus brain axis.
4: Medicine and health and and people's views are very hard on women with pain. And they always expect that if someone has pelvic pain, that there must be something to see in the pelvis. That you put a telescope in and you'll see something and you will remove it and then she'll be happy ever after that everything will be fixed women really it's like if you don't see something or you've removed endometriosis lesions and they still don't feel well it's like it's not real or they're imagining it or they're weak in some way it's really that the lesions are the part of their pain picture that you can see and the hormonal issues are the aspects of their suffering and pain that you can't see. And I think we keep the bar far too high for women to prove that they've got symptoms. It's not fair.
0: Next, the case for hope on endometriosis.
4: Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks.
0: Gabs, before the break, we were talking about lots of new research into endometriosis. Is this helping us change the way we think about the nature of this condition?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because for a long time in medicine, doctors and and healthcare providers really saw endometriosis as a kind of menstruation disease or just a disease affecting the reproductive system. And... uh, people with the condition kind of know instinctively that it's not. There's other things happening in my body that are not just related to my period. And they're the kind of bladder and bowel things, the dizziness, the brain fog, this fatigue that I talked about. And so now, you know, all the leading endometriosis research institutions know that endometriosis is a whole body inflammatory condition, and it's not just about your reproductive system. And I I think that's now starting to filter out into the wider healthcare community. So the only current treatment available for endometriosis is either
0: hormones or surgery. So how effective are both of these generally?
1: Hormones and surgery can be really effective for some people. You know, they really can keep symptoms at bay. Neither of them are cures especially when it comes to deep infiltrating endometriosis. And by that, that means endometriosis that's growing pretty severely all within the pelvis. Sometimes a person's organs can all end up stuck together. That's what's happening in my pelvis right now. My bowel is stuck to my uterus. My ovaries are both stuck down. They're stuck to the pelvic side wall. And without free-flowing movement, that can be really painful and cause all sorts of other problems. Mm. So excision surgery can be really effective when it comes to that kind of endometriosis. But there are a lot of people who have really severe symptoms that don't have really severe lesions and that surgery doesn't really help them. There's also, I think when we talk about surgery and endometriosis, it's probably important to say there's a lot of substandard surgery happening on endometriosis patients all around the world, not just in Australia. There are two techniques. Ablation is when they kind of burn it off. But as we know, endometriosis lesions grow back So the gold standard is considered this excision surgery where a surgeon actually cuts it out. And endometriosis can be really hard to see to the untrained eye. So if a surgeon isn't specifically trained in how to look for endometriosis, they can actually leave a lot behind.
0: Mm. So what I'm hearing is that there are different types of endometriosis and very limited treatments that can help but
1: don't necessarily fix That's ex- the cause of it. It's exactly right. And and no one, it's really hard to tell what kind of endometriosis a person has. So everything's a trial and error. Right. You just basically start from the least troublesome, you know, the pill. And then if that doesn't work, you go to the next thing and then you go to the next thing, you go to the next thing. And it can take years for people to find something that works for them. And mm-hmm. some people never find anything that works for them. And that can be really debilitating. Right. And for them, it must be managing the symptoms. Yeah, well, that's all we can do. Exactly. For everyone, because there's no cure. Hmm.
0: But are there any new treatments for endometriosis also being developed in the background as well?
1: Yeah, there are some really interesting treatments being developed. I can't go through them all. But again, Andrew Horn was really interesting talking about a couple of different treatments they're looking at. With the University of Warwick, his team is looking at an immunomodulatory drug, which again is kind of turning down the immune system, trying to stop that inflammation. But I was really interested in another study that he was telling me about. So they discovered that more lactate was in the pelvis of people with endometriosis compared to people who didn't have endometriosis. Mm. And knowing that there's more lactate in the pelvis of people with endometriosis, they looked at drugs that treat similar conditions. And there is a drug that already exists that is used to treat children who have a disease that you know where their bodies produce more lactate. Mm. So that's the drug that they tested first on mice and then they tested it on 30 women.
3: Uh, we gave them, them dichlorastate. Now, obviously... It's very difficult to monitor the amount of disease because you'd have to do surgery on these on these patients uh, to really determine whether or not you've reduced the volume of disease.
1: They asked all those patients to fill out um, kind of questionnaires about all their symptoms, about their pain and all the other symptoms they had, and they were actually quite dramatically improved.
3: But what we've seen in these patients who've taken dichlorastate is that their their pain scores and we have a, a sort of pain score that we, where we look at the impact on quality of life, all of these scores have been reduced when they've taken dichlorastate.
1: So now they're recruiting for an even bigger trial, lots of different centres with different kinds of patients mm. um, with different kinds of backgrounds will be included in the next trial.
0: What do you think is driving all of these researchers to turn their attention to endometriosis?
1: Endometriosis used to be called the silent disease, but when The Guardian did our investigation on endometriosis in 2015, a million people read it. Women weren't silent, no one was listening, and now they're being forced to listen to us, and that is what has changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been a lot of increase in awareness. It's changed dramatically. I think everyone kind of knows or has an inkling of what it is. And that's been really important. And it's been important in other ways too, because it attracts more researchers into the field. It was a really small specialty and not many people wanted to do it because there wasn't much money in it. And it wasn't considered very interesting or, you know, quote unquote, sexy. And the more awareness means more people are thinking about it. Mm. But it sounds like, more funding is available now and
0: that more researchers are sort of seeing the value in contributing their various
1: specialties to the study of endometriosis. Absolutely. I can give you a statistic. It affects the same number as women as diabetes. It gets 5% of the funding. Australia has increased that funding a little bit, but I would not say it's anywhere near equal other diseases with the similar quality of life impacts and diseases that cost the economy as much because this is a really expensive disease to have, surgery is the only diagnostic tool. I mean, that's crazy. A surgery costs a lot of money and every surgery is a risk mm. for the patient. So that needs to change. And and speaking of that, France is another government who has started to devote considerable money towards research of endometriosis. And they've actually seen some really good breakthroughs too. French researchers have develop two diagnostic tests that don't involve surgery, one testing saliva and one using ultrasound.
0: Mm. Well, it all sounds really promising, but what would you like to see happen from here?
1: I think money is the answer. We need way more money into endometriosis research and into female biology in general and to looking at the really under-researched aspects of women's health and the women's immune system is really important in understanding so many diseases that primarily affect women. So I think that's what it takes. It takes new people coming in, it takes people being aware and it just takes concerted effort to get that money raised because that's the really hard part about medical research. It's incredibly expensive and you need governments and universities investing money in it.
0: That was Gabrielle Jackson. She's the Associate News Editor for Audio and Visual at Guardian Australia and also the author of Pain and Prejudice. And if you want to find out more about all of this new research in endometriosis, I highly recommend you check out Gabs's feature article on this. In it, she explains the science behind these developments and the potential they have in much greater detail than we could go through in this episode. The article is called It's Really Only the Beginning. Are we on the cusp of a breakthrough in endometriosis? I'll post a link to that on the Full Story website. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria, sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee. Thanks for listening.